for coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat with Nick Rizzo and Sean Sauterly. Brought to you by social media for high school athletes. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaches podcast. Brought to you every single week by the good folks at Social Media for the High School Athletes. Check them out online and all over social media platforms at HS Social Media or their website, socialstudentathletes.com. Because of them, you can listen to the show for free every single week, wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify. It's all over, and it's thanks to them. This is a listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you. The best way you can help us out is share the links. We put them out every single Thursday when the show comes out. Make sure to share those links with your friends. Let them know that you're listening. And even give us a hint at what your favorite part of the show is that you just listened to. Got to give a big shout out to our friends at Torex. We are Team Torex members here at Soccer Chat. Once you buy the greatest ball pump of all time, that's right, the greatest ball pump of all time, go on and leave a nice review on Amazon. They will greatly appreciate it. And also, we are members of Dutic Brand FC on dutigbrand.com for your coaching accessory needs. Absolutely phenomenal. And now they just announced today, I don't know if you got the email or not, but they now have waterproof notebooks. That's right. Waterproof notebooks that you can get at dutigbrand.com. Make sure to use the promo code SOCCERCHAT to get yourself a nice little hookup discount from Nick and myself. I'm Sean, he's Nick, and I'm going to step away because I know Nick has waited over 48 hours to go. So, Nick, you just I'm, – I'm, I'm walking out the room. By the time I come back, be done with your Liverpool thing. So, yeah, no, go ahead. I, I feel like this should be an open discussion between two people admiring something incredible that happened. What did I admire? I mean, if you can't appreciate what – like. I feel like even neutral fans, like not Barcelona fans, because I, I can't imagine what they went through. But like as a neutral fan over the last two days, because we had Tottenham today too, that was some of the most incredible. Like it's why we watch soccer, like for that type of stuff. I can admit I um, I was at the uh, the shoot job and I, like, I knew they were playing, but like, I like, well, I'm not able to get updates like at school because my I have really bad phone service. Um so <laughs> I let's see here's here's the two updates. This will tell you how how I like how this worked. So I know I saw something that it may have been when the game started or whatever that told me like what the aggregate was. And I just kind of was like, oh well that's typical. We know how this is going to go. And then I get out of school and I am, I think I'm picking my daughter up and I get this alert that says Liverpool on to the finals. And I made, I gave one of those, like it totally would be a meme uh, faces when I saw that. And I was like, what? And then I like quickly got on Twitter and saw and was like, what did I just miss? And apparently I missed a lot. I mean, I think the coolest part about me for it was not only realistically shouldn't it have happened, but it definitely shouldn't have happened with that lineup. Like, yeah. you have, you have Devakarigi, who was at Wolfsburg at this time last year, you have uh, who scored two goals. You have Jeannie Wijnaldum, who is at Liverpool from relegated Newcastle. Like, he, he came because his club was getting relegated. 
Sorry for our Newcastle boys out there. David Robertson, I appreciate you. Um, and then you have Jordan Shakiri, who's the other starter, starter who was only here because of another relegated team in Stoke. And so you have Joel Matip, who it probably is not starting as a center back for a majority of teams at this competition. And this James Milner, who's 32 years old, who has to get pushed to left back at some point because Robertson got stomped by Suarez a little bit. It's just like, no way. Like Jordan Henderson is captaining two years in a row, a team in the champions league final. Like it, there's a lot of things that should just don't make sense about this. Yeah. I, I, I thought today and I'm, I always think differently. You all know this, but I had a, 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 Oh, well not today. It definitely was after the Liverpool game. Cause I saw a lot of people tweeting about like, you would have thought they they'd won the champions league the way like everybody's celebrating. And then I thought, well, you know, it's at Anfield, you know, that, that comeback's crazy. So, you know, yeah, like it's going to be uh pandemonium there and whatnot. But it made me think too, about how, like, I can remember um, when Chelsea beat Barcelona uh, to go on to the champions league final. And as soon as the game was over with and all the people are watching, I was watching with, we're going crazy and bonkers. And I was like, I'm saving it. Like if we win the champions league, then I'll celebrate. Yeah. And so that's been my thing. Like I, and I'm, and not even just like with soccer, I'm like it with all sports, like conference finals or conference championships. Like that's whatever. But like, I want to celebrate when you win the whole shebang. Correct. And I think, I mean, again, like it, it's an interesting scenario because Tottenham just went through the exact same thing two ties in a row. Which, for everybody who listened last week, our guest did predict an all-England final. Dude, I mean, it's – I like, I mean, there might be an all-England final for two cups, depending on how Arsenal and Chelsea do tomorrow. That's but very I'm, true. I'm rooting for you guys. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's – to me, it's cool because in the same way – Leicester City winning in 2016, was that 16? Yeah, 16, was cool because it, it, it just shows the randomness of sports. It shows that, like, we can all, like, everyone was talking about a Croy final between Barcelona and Ajax because it makes sense. You have two teams that play this beautiful, appealing style of soccer, and now neither of them are in it. And it just shows the randomness of sports. It shows how unpredictable things can be and how what you think you know you don't know and I I think that was like one of my favorite parts about it was just like you can look at a squad and look at Messi look at Suarez look at everyone that was in their squad and just be like yeah this team is no way gonna lose this game for nothing and they lose it for nothing yeah and you look at Ajax which happened today and they are up 3-0 in aggregate and Tottenham team who's lost four of their last five games you're like, there's no way this Tottenham team who's playing so poorly is going to come back and make this happen. And they come back and make it happen with a hat trick. And by the way, Moira is the only Brazilian to ever get a hat trick in a Champions League semifinal. Like, not Neymar, not anyone else. Like, it's like Lucas Moira is the guy that has a hat trick in the Champions League final, who might not even start the final because Harry Kane's going to be back. 
Like, how do you he is, uh, never buying another beverage ever again in his like, life in one? Day. Like, that's like, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I'm worried about the Liverpool conundrum. Like, who are you going to start in their center midfield? Because you can't leave Genie and all of them out at this point. So, who are you going to leave out? But, like, for Tottenham, like, Harry Kane reasonably is going to be healthy and back for the final. Do you leave Lucas Moyer out? Do you leave Son out? I mean, who do you, who do you leave out of your squad? Do you leave Deli Alley out of the squad? Like, it, I mean, it's like I, I don't envy the spot that Potts is in going into this this final tie. But, I mean, for me, again, it, I think it was just – it was really cool because, like, in the same way like what I said with Lester, it just shows that, like, sometimes the sport doesn't make sense. And that's what's so beautiful about it is you don't – you think you could know everything and predict everything and you, you can't. Just when you think you know all the answers, somebody changes the questions. Correct. I well, I, I, I like the tweet. I, I wish I could remember who posted it. Um, was it was a, the picture of uh, Pacino um, uh, crying afterwards, and it said, "When you realize that you're not going to be able to sign anybody the next year because you made it to the Champions League final." <laughs> and it just it made me laugh because they like they didn't sign anybody last summer, right? The last person they signed is Lucas Moira. Okay, yeah. So it's like you're <laughs> like, well, I'm not signing anybody because uh, we got this team, and that's the thing about like soccer that just drives me crazy. Um, and it's kind of tie in. What a really horrible segue, but to kind of tie in, like we we're just talking about buying people. I finally, um, I didn't, I, I, I completely forgot about talking about it last week, but I finally got started on the Sunderland Till I Die show. It's taking. I'm, I'm. I'm. I apologize, it, everybody. It's taking me so long to get to. Show. Um, it. This is how great of a show it is. Before falling asleep, my wife actually watched the first two episodes and was like glued to it. And I, after she had uh, fallen asleep, I kept watching. I think I got up to episode. I think I'm on six. And now she's upset because she hasn't seen three through six, and I've still got two more episodes to go. So I have to wait until she's caught back up. Um, but I, it's, it's so awesome. My favorite scene so far, and this is like not a spoiler whatsoever, but my favorite scene is during the transfer window and the CFO or the, the, the bald guy, I can never remember his name. Uh, gosh, like the guy who's like in charge of everything, kind of like their general manager. All right. Um, and he's meeting, he's meeting, he's having the meeting with the scouts and they're showing him like all these teenagers and young people in the prim who aren't playing that they're, they're wanting to buy and they say one name and all of a sudden he goes, so do you know what our budget is? And they said something about like, well, these are the players that we need to get to, to bolster the squad. And he said, yeah. And what's our budget? And they just kind of got quiet. He goes, cause I can tell you right now, based off of this first person, there is not one person that we're going to be able to buy because of what our budget is. Cause our budget is as close to nothing as possible. Yeah. And it was like, Oh my gosh. And so then it was so cool to see, like they decided, Hey, let's go get kids from the Academy. And they get those two kids who they introduce you to these two kids by showing them playing basketball on her with a randomly stuck on a wall. Uh, that was your introduction of these two kids who they were going to bring up to first team. It's such, I'm, I'm really, I, is there plans for a season two? Like I'm not even done with this, the series yet, but like, I really like it. They, like they should keep going. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. They're, they got to get back to the prem to do that. Uh, yeah, I guess too. I guess that too. Well, that's the whole, like 
during the whole first episode, my wife kept going, well, are they in the prim this year? Are they in the prim this year? I'm like, I don't think so. Like I, I've been such a bad soccer fan this year. Like I can count on both hands how many games I've actually watched. Sunderland is with a few of our other buddies, like Portsmouth, down in League One right now. So, oh, so they even got out of the championship. (laughs) Yeah. Did I just like spoil myself? Mm, Maybe. Dang it! It's like uh, that. Like that's worse than me finding out like what happened in any game, even though I didn't watch it. I didn't care. But uh, yeah, I that show is it, it makes you really you see these times now, like you know, just five years ago, everybody was buying everybody underneath the sun, yep. and you're starting to see these teams like they're being very cautious. Like you know, Madrid's not spending like they used to, Barcelona's not spending like they used to, um, and it's 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 really interesting to see like the financial situation that when it comes to the players market like how bad it is and you know here's these teams that they just don't have the funds to bring these people up so m- maybe it's a good thing that that it and it forces you to really go to that youth academy and, and really kind of prop them up a little bit yeah well i think i mean if you look at some of the best signings and again i follow the premier league a lot more than i follow other leagues over the premier league like some of the best signings are people that you paid zero dollars for yeah like, I mean, I, I look at our own club all the time, like because I obviously I follow Liverpool exclusively more than other clubs. But like our two outside backs, who are two of the best in the Premiership right now, we got Andy Robertson for like five mil, and Trent was a youth product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like like that's. I mean, that's. I mean, again, we we obviously forked over a ton of money for Allison and a ton of money for Van Dyke. But I mean, you some of your best products sometimes come from the area like. Andy Robertson two years ago was playing in the championship. Like, I mean, it's you're you're like sometimes you just don't know. Yep, I I would agree with that. Uh, let's see a couple other things I just had on my list for us to speak of, uh, and now I cannot think of it. Um, oh, the um, England women's national team announcement video, hella cool, dude, really cool, and like. I love that they got like Dave Beckham involved with some parts of like the announcement as well. Like, so from what I understand is, so like, did you see the one where it showed like everybody? Yes. Okay. So from what I get at is each one of those people posted that video and it's like, and there's, so there's longer videos of them, like making the announcement of that person. And then the England FA like cut them up to make that big video. So like you can go on Prince William's, Twitter page and there's right. this like full length video of him talking about Steph Houghton. Yes. Um, so, and I was just like, what a dope way. Like that was so cool. That's how you, that's how you build your brand. That's how you get people behind it. Like that is a, just a prime example of if you want to get support behind your team, that is how you do it. That's absolutely for sure. And the other thing I want to, uh, to mention before we got out of here because we could talk about the uh all that all day long um now this this sounds weird not weird and i'm trying to make sure i say this like super super pc because i don't like when to offend anybody um but the uh sports illustrated swimsuit edition come out they got a couple they got a few of the soccer ladies shout out shout out megan rapino that's That's what i'm saying that's that everybody knows that's my girl shout out megan rapino and it, it too because like those like those athletes and it's kind of like the thing with the body issue that espn puts yeah. out every year it's like those athletes are so proud of their bodies but like the soccer players like 
they never really get to show it off. Yep. Yeah, it, like, and I, that, that sounds really bad saying showing it off. That's not, that's totally not what I'm trying to get at, but like, they don't have the opportunity except for like that body issue or something like this to like, Hey, check out these muscles that I have. And like, you know, this is what a normal fit average athlete, not average, but this is just like what a fit athlete looks like or whatever. And so it's like, you know, like shout out to the shout out to all the soccer players getting involved, you know, oh. and Shout out to Megan Rapino. I think I it was what was it Rapino, Morgan, Crystal Dunn, and the Doll Camper. Yes. Yep. I mean, yeah, they're incredibly strong and beautiful. Like, I mean, that was it was really really cool. And like, Alex, I, I got, saw, uh, Alex got one of the three covers too. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I saw them all. All post they all posted their own. Like, because I follow all of them on Instagram, they all posted like it just incredible. Like, they're just incredible, incredibly strong, beautiful women. Like, it was awesome. Uh, especially the picture of Rapino flipping everybody off. <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that seems pretty part <laughs> of her personality for sure. Well, some personality that you guys are really going to enjoy is our conversation uh, this week that we have. And we just have such a cool guest on after last week's uh, episode with Laura Jackson. This week's episode is going to be really good. A lot of fun. Grab you a drink. It's going to be a good one. Coming up right after this. Coaches, are you looking for a meaningful way to bring your players closer together on and off the field? Do you want a surefire way to give back to the game and serve your community? My name is Sean Danhauser, and I'm a top soccer coach. The Outreach Program for Soccer, or Top Soccer, is a wonderful program that brings student volunteers and coaches together with children with special needs to learn new skills, build valuable socialization skills, enhance physical fitness, and have fun together through the beautiful game of soccer. It's inclusion on an athletic field, and this is where we need help from coaches like you. There is likely a program near you that is in need of coaches and volunteers that are willing to donate some of their time to share their love of the game with others in need. The time commitment is minimal, usually only one hour a week, but the rewards last a lifetime. Please consider getting your team involved in a top soccer program today. To learn more and to find a local program, visit the top soccer pages of either the U.S. Youth Soccer or your local state association's website. Introducing you to coaches every single week, whether it's coaches you know, coaches you don't know, friends of ours, people we don't know, but we're introducing everybody to all the coaches that we can. And we have with us this week uh, a dear friend of mine who I've gotten to know from working camps. I feel like that's kind of our our thing, Nick, is we're just meeting all these <laughs> these new coaches at camps yeah. that are just becoming our friends. And we're like, hey, I worked <laughs> camp with you. You need to come on the show. But we have with us the brand new Muskegon men's coach, Adam Ponder, with us. Adam, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. You have quite an interesting story, and, and we're going to get into that uh, in, in detail as, as we continue going on. But the thing about Soccer Chat is to kind of understand who you are, the coach now. We've kind of got to know where you've been, what you've done, and how you got to where you're at now. And 
Um, as Nick will always bring up, if you have to talk about your U8 playing days, talk about your U8 playing days. Uh, but I have a feeling, uh, knowing you the way I do, that when you go on to uh, your uh, background, um, Nick will be like, okay, because on last week's show, we talked about we're going to do this, like the men's senior team from Soccer Chat Guests and the women's okay. senior team. And I think that when you get through to where you're at now, I believe Nick is going to go, thank you, Sean, for getting me a ringer. Yeah, no, I think that <laughs> might happen. So, yeah, go ahead and give us give us to uh, how you got to where you're at now. Uh, where, where I'm at now? So, I, I, as you said, I know it's been uh, sort of a, a crazy journey to get here. Um, uh, definitely not the typical, co- like, college coach's journey, that's for sure. Um, you know, but, you know, grew up playing soccer and then went on to, to play a little college soccer. But I, after I was finished, um, I decided to transfer after my sophomore season to uh, Indiana University. And just sort of happened to take a coaching of soccer class just because I wanted to take a class just to have some fun. And um, the professor, or I I guess not even professor, the teacher for the class was Dave Gifford, who was an assistant at Indiana at the time, uh, who's now the head coach at VCU. And then then Caleb Porter, um, who we know now is the uh, Columbus Crew head coach. And so just got involved with those guys doing the class. And they asked if I wanted to get into youth coaching and – started coaching youth soccer with Caleb Porter. Wow. Yeah. Which was sort of crazy. I wish I would have kept the first roster because I think it actually had me as a head coach and him listed as the assistant for like a <laughs> I like it. team. So, um, you know, should have kept that. Never knew where he was going to end up. But, uh, but yeah, after I, you know, just continued to coach club soccer as I went into like grad school and, uh, you know, after I finished grad school, I, I ended up at the university of Akron working in student affairs actually. And uh, Caleb and, and Dave Gifford were the head coach and assistant at University of Akron. So continued to coach club soccer in the area. They got me involved in their camps at Akron. And uh, a local school in the area, University of Mount Union, was looking for um, an assistant at the time. And so talked to their head coach, Nick Sturrett, who was there, um, who just got hired. And, and he brought me on as a volunteer assistant. And it was just one of those things. I was doing um, probably club soccer and college soccer more more hours than I was like my actual job. And I think my wife finally just talked to me and said, okay, listen, like <laughs> you need to make a decision. Are you, are you going to work in student affairs or are you going to do uh, soccer full time? And so after we sat down and talked about it and I reached out to, you know, some colleagues, some friends, um, you know, in connections. Um, a friend of mine, Mike Avery at Valparaiso, offered me a position at Valpo, and uh, so ended up coaching there for a few re- few years, which was a great time. Um, good coaching staff. Mike was a good guy to learn from, and and as you know, Brendan and and Stroud and those guys and and Kelly were uh, great to work with. And then took a job at Wright State after I think three or four years at Valparaiso, um, just because what I was looking for a new challenge and wanted to try something um, a bit different um, and went to Wright State and then. You know, it was just sort of the same thing. Um, you know, I was hoping Wright State would, learn, would would work out for more of a long term, but I've always wanted to be a head coach. And uh, when this opportunity came up at Muskegon, I, I definitely went after it and, and tried to sort of find uh, a foot in the door as a head coach. And, and here we are. Now, with your uh, – I have to go into the education side. Uh, definitely got a, a master's degree from UT. Um, yeah, Nick always likes to ask, how do people – actually use their master's degree in their coaching life? Well, I, 
my my undergraduate degree was tourism management, so I, I'm not what? Really use that too much. But I guess I do schedule a lot of hotels and, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you know, I, I guess I'm doing that still a little bit. But I, I work with probably more travel agencies than I do the tourism management. <laughs> what what inspires someone to go into tour tourism management? Well, when I got out of soccer, I was like, man, what am I going to do? Like I. I'm I'm not playing right now. I'm not really like coaching full time. Like, you know what? And and I love to travel. So I was like, maybe I'll look into this, (laughs) you know, but um, ended up doing, it was like tourism rec and, and like sport management or something like that. And then, so I ended up in grad school doing a sport management um, graduate degree at Tennessee. And obviously I I use that quite a bit, (laughs) you know, world. So tourism management. I like it. That's probably got to be the best major we've had on the show. There you go, man. And and Nick is probably happy that you're using your master's degree. Someone yeah. got to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I felt like I, you know at the time I was coaching and I was I was working at um, the Rec and Wellness Center at Tennessee, and that's what I did at, at University of Akron. I was a facility manager for their Rec and Wellness Center, and so I really enjoyed this the sport management perspective of it, and and you know being the manager of a facility and. You know, and to be honest with you, I've been able to apply a lot of what I did sort of manage, you know, I managed, I think it was like 85 student employees and, you know, a couple of graduate assistants. So, you know, you're applying some of the stuff that you, you learn there in student, student affairs with, you know, how are you going to manage now, you know, 30, 35 student athletes and a couple of assistants. So do you feel like you would have been a great tour guide or travel agent? Uh, no, probably not. Probably not. No, not. <laughs> Maybe not a, a travel agent, maybe a tour guide. As long as it was in like a city or an area I, I really enjoyed, I could probably <laughs> talk your head off. And we would have gone to like soccer stadiums all the time, so it would have been okay. So next time anybody who's out there and is planning a like soccer trip, you need to hire Adam as your tour guide and let him put that yeah. undergrad to use. That's right. That's As long <laughs> as I can go with you, though. Like, yeah, well, yeah, obviously that's going to be part of it. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got to manage the tour. Yeah, who wants to do it? Which is what I'm expecting to be. You have to manage the tour. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. So you mentioned that you did play uh, in college for a while. Where'd you play at? Uh, High Point University out in North Carolina. Okay, cool, cool, cool. What got you to go there? Um, It was really a connection. Uh, One of my youth coaches um, had taken a coaching course with Peter Broadley, who was a head coach at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and had just reached out to him and, and since he had some interest, um, you know, and I just wanted to try something new as a high school kid, didn't really want to stay local in Indiana and, and went out to high point. And then, you know, after my sophomore year realized, yeah, it actually is pretty nice to be closer to friends and family. <laughs> so I ended up transferring back to IU, but, uh, I also understood where, where I was in my playing, uh, experience and, and how good I was transferring to IU and thinking I could actually play there because I had a discussion with them, but they said, listen, uh, we, came, we came off back-to-back national champions. So uh, I was like, yeah, I get it. I'll, I'll coach. Well, you, well, you are good enough for Nick's team. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. If, I mean, if we're being brutally honest, the standard isn't super high right now. So <laughs> you might, you might be the standard bar uh, knowing that group. Um, so where'd you grow up at in Indiana? I grew up in South Bend, up on the north side of the state. Okay, okay. Uh, Galcott so, Plains and Indiana Invaders and all those clubs up there. 
So when you get into uh, to coaching after uh, after playing and, and, you know, Caleb Porter, not knowing who he was, it, well, definitely not what he is now, but you, know, you get this, this call from Caleb Porter, hey, I want you to come uh, coach because uh, you know, you're doing well in class. Looking back yeah. on it now, how huge was that moment where he's like, hey, I want you to come coach youth? Well, yeah, it was it was so weird because, you know, like in the coaching of soccer class, you know, you're doing like Dave Gifford, obviously, has done very well for himself, too. You know, he's the head coach at VCU. Caleb, you know, obviously speaks for himself at Akron and Indiana and uh, as a player and a coach and then, you know, doing well with uh, the crew and the Timbers. And, you know, at the time when I was in the class and, you know, and I talked to him about continuing to play and they were like, well, how about you know, you get into coaching and, and you can come to some of the IU like practices. And is that, is that kind of like a backwards compliment or what's it called? A backhanded yeah, compliment? You know, like at the time it was like hard to take because you think like <laughs> you can still play, but yeah, you know, when you're also going to school like Indiana, like, I mean, I grew up watching Indiana soccer, like all the way from like the Dima Kovalenka days and, you know, like all those guys playing and, and, uh, and obviously Caleb and, and Yeagley, like, you know, during that era and Brian Mazinoff and stuff. And I would go down there and, and watch. And obviously when they'd come up to Notre Dame and watch, I'd, you know, I'd always follow them. So I also under, knew when they said like, you're probably not good enough to play. Here. <laughs> yeah, I also knew like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> well, at least they gave you the opportunity to coach instead yeah, of uh, just so falling find your face cool. playing. You know, it was a great opportunity. I mean, what, what better way to start as a coach than to, learn from a school like that and some of the guys who are involved with, with a program like Indiana, um, you know, and sort of see and get thoughts from them and sort of pick their brain. And, you know, and it was great because when I took a job at Akron, it just so happened that Caleb and Dave were, were coaching <laughs> at Akron. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of crazy at the time to think like, you know, at the time I was, I was like, Oh my God, I'm get, I get to coach with the, you know, the assistants at Indiana. And now I'm like, yeah, these guys are even bigger than yeah. they were then. Was there a part I, – I, I'm trying to envision like 19, 20-year-old Adam, you know, transferring back home. You know, here's the, the school that he's followed uh, for a long time, you know, quality player, wants to play, and then to be told like, ah, oh, you know, how about you coach instead? Like was there a part of you that was like, no, like I want to prove to you I can do this? Or were you just yeah, like, yeah, I'm good. Let's, let's just do yeah, the coaching I mean, thing there certainly was, there certainly was. And, you know, and I, like, I, I mean, hell, like I, at this point at 35 years old, I probably still think I could play it. <laughs> Nick, but see, this is why you need Adam on your team. He's, yeah. he's, he's quickly moving up the roster. <laughs> but yeah, after about 10 minutes of running with anybody at the college level right now, I'd be dead. <laughs> well, you're, you're playing against uh, the, the women's side who is all of the same age. So, I mean, you should be all right. Okay, perfect. I can probably handle that. <laughs> as long as there's beverages involved after the game, I think I'll be okay. Well, that's the good thing about having Nick as your coach is that is part of Nick's game plan. Perfect. Perfect. No, I mean, yeah, obviously at the time you, you want to, you know, prove that, that you can still play at that level. And, and um, but, you know, in the same sense, they're being pretty honest with you and, and you know, they're at that level for a reason, you know. They and then who are you to tell them, no, no, I'm pretty sure I can still play. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, and the other part of it was I looked at, like, the recruiting class that they had, like, coming in. And I remember seeing, like, four guys that were, like, on the national team. And I'm thinking to myself, ah! Dude, this, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like an all-state player, you know, what, you know. What <laughs> now, when you when you started coaching, like, with doing the U stuff and you mentioned, like, them, you getting to – 
watch the sessions with IU. What were those those days, especially like you know early on, like watching an IU session and then trying to go out with your own team and, and replicate what you saw? Well, what was cool, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to a ton of the IU ones just because of class and stuff like that. Um, but you know, what was cool about coaching with the Bloomington Cutters. And, and working with them is that you would like write up these practice sessions and they would sort of look it over and like, Oh, you need to change this here. Or you need to organize, you know, the warm up to match the rest of the practice or whatever it was. And they just give you little tips and hints. And, you know, if they saw something during practice, they just sort of stop it and coach it themselves and like, Hey, you need to really watch for these things and, you know, focus on this certain topic or, or whatever it was. Um, and so you really got to learn like how to structure the practice, like, you know, when to find sort of the coaching moments within the practice or the games, um, you know, and, and again, like, you know, you're early on as a coach, you want to win games and, you know, but you're also coaching like U12, like B team kids and Bloomington cutters. So it wasn't exactly the most serious soccer, but you're trying to take it as serious as possible. Though. Yeah. With the uh, what were those first uh, those those first few sessions like? We 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 document on the show numerous times about how my very first session was the worst two hours of not only my life but my players' life as well. You know, coming in and you know obviously you know getting to to kind of see how Caleb does his thing and and you you get into these these Bloomington teams. What were those first couple of sessions like? Well, the, the I can I actually probably still have them. I, they're probably right behind me in a box. To be honest, moved <laughs> into my house. Um, we gotta get you on that digital man you gotta upload them into the get those scanned uh, yeah you should see these like handwritten like notes on like blank sheets of paper that i used to do for like every practice (laughs) but no i mean you know to be honest like i i don't really remember a whole lot of the 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 bloomington days i mean you know i remember doing like a lot of 1v1 attacking stuff (laughs) yeah that's like all i wanted to do with like the kids is just like 1v1 attacking drills and dribbling moves and you know, yeah, you guys are going to look like Barcelona after this. Trust me on that one. But. <laughs> <laughs> I've studied Notre Dame and IU as a kid. Yeah, right. Exactly what they did. Exactly. But Todd Yeagle uh, going to be like, oh, that's what I used to do when I was a kid. Let's pick this kid up. Yeah, yeah. I do remember one of the evaluations that I had to do with a kid, and his dad was so upset because he thought, like, his kid was going to go play at Manchester United. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't get out of this evaluation. Like he won't leave. <laughs> was this question? Why can't my kid play at Manchester United? Yeah, it probably was. And I probably just said to him being like a dumb youth coach, like, well, he's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, uh, my guy, you live in Bloomington, Indiana. That's yeah, right, why right. you wouldn't, you wouldn't be living here if that's where you were going to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, you mentioned about the right state thing. How does that come about? You know, where you're just like, all right, like this is what I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, you had the discussion with the wife, you know, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, devoting more time to coaching than my, my real man job, my big boy job. Yeah. Uh, and so here comes Wright State. Yeah. So that the University of Akron and stuff, I mean, um, when I was working there and, and my wife and I had the discussion about like soccer, that's when I ended up going to Valpo first and, and then went to Wright State. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, but it was one of those things that we were both very busy at the time when I was working at Akron and, and she's a physical therapist, but also was doing her, um, her MBA at the same time. And it was like a weekend MBA program. And so a lot of times she'd be in class all day and I'd just be coaching all day. But then when the MBA program finished, she was like, yeah, I definitely don't see you like at all on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was coaching with like Cleveland and Canton United at the time and just doing, you know, 
I don't know, five, six games a weekend. Like, I'm sure you know how, how it is, like, coaching youth soccer, living out at, at complexes. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things that we definitely had to have a lot of discussions and, you know, can we make it work financially? Is this something that you really want to do? Because, you know, you have a full-time job with benefits and, you know, healthcare and all that kind of stuff. And, and you decide to take a volunteer coaching position at Valparaiso University which, you know, I, I was comfortable with Valpo. I grew up an hour away. Like, you know, I, you know, Mike Avery was a, a, a really great guy to work for and, and have only heard good things about him before I really started working with him. Um, but yeah, to tell your parents and your in-laws and family like, oh yeah, I'm going to quit my full-time job and go <laughs> volunteer, you know, at Valparaiso University. Been there. Yeah. So, you know, you definitely had a lot of people questioning that, but my wife was like fully supportive of it and um, you know, and obviously still is. And, and, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be here without her. That's for sure. I mean, she's been helping me out along the way. For sure. For sure. Uh, in your time at Valpo, uh, how often did you tell Brennan Roth that he was wrong? Uh, it was usually a daily thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I still have to call him to remind him about that. <laughs> I Brent give him credit. They had the alumni game this weekend and, and he went out and played and it was like 35 and snowy in Valpo and, and they played their alumni game. So he's a better man than I am. That's for sure. He is. He's definitely somebody I've, I've, I've been waiting to get on the show and I've got a certain timeline to get all these ringers in for Nick before uh, our hundredth show. So that way he can add them to his roster uh, for this men's team. Uh, so there again, Nick, you're, you're welcome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I, I, I know I have a, like one or two that I get to schedule before that show and, uh, we're going to, we're going to call out some of the big guns. There you go. I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a lot from you. Um, favorite, uh, moment from when you're at Valpo as, as a coach, something that when you think about it, it just makes you laugh. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. Not so much like winning and losing type stuff. Yeah. Just anything. Yeah, the, the probably one of the biggest moments that, uh, you know, David Stroud, correct? Yeah. Oh, man. So, so in the Valparaiso, um, I, I guess the equipment room, all our jerseys and stuff, there's all these like little cubbies, like back to back. And, and Stroud was, you know, he's always in his own head, like doing his own thing. And sometimes you don't know what he's doing. But um, I happened to be getting some jerseys ready for an away trip. And he come, came around the corner and I just like jumped out at him. And I think he, I mean, scared everybody in the building like yelling like a little girl like running down the hallway I think he, he probably had to go change his pants in the bathroom or something but, <laughs> I mean I think it was one of those things myself and Kelly and Brendan probably never stopped picking on him in, in the time that we were there but uh you know we had we had some good times there that's for sure and and uh and again Mike was definitely part of that but I think we it was probably me and Brennan and Kelly and Stroud messed around probably more than he wanted us to. <laughs> and what, for those who are like, uh, that are trying to get into, you know, the co the college, especially like in the college side, like I feel like when people, they hear volunteer assistant, like they truly don't know like what the, what all it, it entails. So like, what were some of the things that you did uh, at Valpo that actually helped you get ready for the right state job? Well, I mean, one is, you know, you get, especially at a school like Valparaiso where, you know, if you would go to, you know, an Indiana or a Michigan state or a Michigan, you, you have a lot of people involved with those programs that sort of do the small things and, and the sort of the little behind the scene, behind the scenes 
items, whether it's getting ready for away trips, whether it's, uh, you know, planning hotels or, or buses or sending out itineraries, um, you know, and, and obviously things on the field of just sort of how Mike would run his, his practice sessions and sort of what his coaching style was. Um, you pick up those things as an assistant. And, and I've always thought this way as an assistant coach that, you know, you're not, yeah, you're, you're an assistant coach and you're there to give your input and do what is best um, or what you feel is best for the program um, to try to make it successful and try to move players on to the next level. Um, but in the same sense as an assistant, you're always sort of taking notes, good and bad, um, of a program um, to try to sort of piece together what ideas and philosophies and, and you know, fundraising or budget or, or whatever it is um, to sort of take in and, and build your program. And I've always done that from like club soccer to college soccer and, and sort of taken notes of, of how I would want my program to run and, and have this like binder of, you know, from tactics to alumni relations to whatever it is of, of notes that I've always taken and, and sort of putting together with being a volunteer, being an assistant coach or a director of ops, sort of wherever I've been. What do you feel is what is the most difficult part? Cause you were club coaching simultaneously. So you were, a head yeah. coach of club and an assistant coach at Valpo. What right. were some of the things that were most difficult constantly going from one to the other and also doing different ages, going from one age to the other age, one age to the other age pretty consistently during the time you were there? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the bigger things, especially when, when I was coaching with Three Lions United, <clears throat> luckily they put me with their high school age group. So it wasn't too much of a discrepancy between the age groups, but, you know, there's still um, – the skill level difference between division one athletics and, and club soccer. I mean, no offense, but there is. And, oh, yeah. and, and it's one of those things that you, I, you know, you just try to plan ahead, um, you know, not only for scheduling things with Valparaiso, but scheduling things with three lines, but then also balancing, you know, my life with my personal life with, with my wife, Magdalene. And, and, you know, at the time, you know, she was pregnant and we had a, our son Royal when we were at, um, in Valparaiso. So I was trying to fit, you know, that stuff in as well, um, which, you know, was probably the harder part because, you know, you'd go to Valpo and we'd train 6.30 at 8 in the morning and I'd be there during the day and I'd usually run home in the afternoon and hang out with my son and like make dinner and then, you know, take off and go to club soccer in the evenings. Um, you know, so that, that part was probably um, the hardest part, it wasn't so much the soccer it was just trying to make sure you're, you're balancing both club soccer and, and college soccer. And then also, you know, your family, um, you know, cause you want to put a hundred percent into to all of them and make sure they're all doing, do, you know, doing well. So. Yeah, no. And like with that, what were some of the things that you really enjoyed about the group you got to coach at club? Yeah, the, the group that I coached in, in Northwest Indiana was Three Lines United. Um, and uh, it, it really was a good group of guys that, um, you know, the director, Mike Rance and, and Graham and, and Brendan was part of that staff there. And, you know, he was very, I don't want to say lenient, but he, he understood that college soccer was my passion, was where I wanted to go. And so he tried to make sure sort of with scheduling that I could be at what I needed to with Valparaiso. So it was a great club to work for in that sense that they provided us the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to focus on the college soccer aspect of it, especially in the fall. 
Um, but they also understood that a lot of kids would come to three lions because, you know, they had the Valparaiso coaching staff on, on their staff for, for club coaches. And, um, you know, in the groups that I coached, you know, they all played at, at the MRL level. So at least, you know, you could really try to sort of build your team and have an identity with them. Um, and, and there were some really talented kids there, to be honest with you. I mean, I know there's a few that have gone on to play college soccer at, at different divisions. And, you know, there's a couple now that are going into their senior year that are still looking to, to play uh, college soccer next year or the year after. So, um, you know, with the skill level that I had and some of the kids in that area, um, you know, had some talent. So you could really sort of, you know, really build your team and, and have an identity with them. Yeah. What was the transition like going? Uh, why, why did you make the choice to go to Wright State afterwards? Well, Wright State had a position open. Um, I forget who it was, but their, their assistant had left. And um, part of it was I, I just felt like my time at Valparaiso had sort of come to an end. Um, there just wasn't a lot of upward, upward mobility there. Um, and wanted to take on a new role. And, and um, you know, I interviewed with Brian Davis and, you know, he sold me on the program and they had been successful in the Horizon League. I mean, they had won, you know, three conference uh, championships. You know, they were always in the conference tournament, um, you know, and, and it was a different school as well than Valparaiso. It was a public school, you know, it was a bigger school, you know, fifteen or 16,000 students as opposed to 1,500 students or 2,000 students, whatever it is at Valparaiso. Um, and, uh, you know, but it, it just wouldn't really was just wanting to try something new, try a new, you know, challenge myself a little bit more, um, you know, take myself out of, out of my comfort zone, really, um, in Valparaiso and, and sort of see how I do at, at another university. And like, and what, what was it like when you got there? Um, well, it, when I got there, it was a bit crazy, to be honest with you, because I moved there, um, when was it, in February or March, and my wife was pregnant for our second kid, so I left her while she was pregnant, and, uh, you know, was living in Dayton, and then right when the summer started, we had our, our second son, Sullivan, sort of like right as we're transitioning and moving to Dayton, so it was like, a, I mean, it was ridiculous, because we, we had our son and then I think it was two weeks or maybe a week and a half later, we moved to Dayton and then I had like camp the following day. And so it was just sort of like a whirlwind of uh, like, oh, hey, we have a new kid, new family. Like we moved and now we're coaching in, into the fall season with Wright State. So um, it was busy. Um, it was crazy. But, you know, it, it was uh, it was a good time at Wright State. Um, unfortunately, just. Things didn't work out well um, in terms of, you know, Brian left and took a new, another position. Um, you know, some opportunities financially didn't come through because of sort of where the university is financially. And, um, you know, and then I just wanted to, you know, and again, when Muskegon came up, I just thought that was a, a great fit and, and more of a long term plan being a head coach. And, um, you know, and, and had talked to a few other coaches in the conference to see you know, to make sure it would be a good job. And, and, uh, it has been so far. That's for sure. That's awesome. And then what was that process like getting to Muskegon? Um, well, it, it was an open interview and I, I interviewed and then came on campus and, and really didn't know what I would think about not so much the, the university. Um, but it really was like the town itself. I mean, New Concord, Ohio is pretty small. 
Um, I mean, it's not even a city. I think it's just a, a village of New Concord, technically. And so it's definitely the smallest area I've ever lived in. But when I came, yeah, and, and again, during the interview process, I was like, you know, I think it's a good fit, you know, wanted to make sure. And when I came here on campus is really when um, I was like sold on, you know, like I can really make this work. It's a great university. It's a beautiful campus. Um, you know, the, the athletic director, Steve Brocklebank has been here. He's going on like a year now, I think in, in April. Um, and he's done some very good things just in the short amount of time that he's been here in, in terms of increasing uh, a few things for each program. Um, Dr. Hasler, who's a new president at the university, has, has been there for two or three years. And um, some of the ideas and, and things that she's done for the university, I think, are, are only helping. Um, and so I, I really feel like in the next couple of years, the university is really going to blossom and, and grow and um, be more competitive, not only in, in soccer, but in our athletics programs in general. Oh, that's awesome. And then you got there in December, right? Well, I, I was, uh, I accepted the position in December, but I was actually doing some stuff with a club in Dayton and I wanted to just make sure I finished my responsibilities with them. So I actually moved to new Concord to Muskegon university, um, I think it was February, like end of February, I want to say. What was that? Like, I mean, I'm always curious, like with you, like what was the recruiting transition like going from uh, obviously the division one level to now being at the division three level? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different, um, I guess, thought process. Cause when I got there, you know, recruiting signing day had already happened like in the November and then, you know, in, in January and, you know, like, I'm looking at it from this division one mindset, like, Oh my God, like there's no one available. Like, how am I going to find some kids? But you know, a lot of those kids that are still waiting to hear from maybe division one, division two schools, um, you know, you're, you're still talking to them. Obviously, you know, I've been to a lot of tournaments the last few weekends and um, trying to find kids and, and you always have like kids in the back of your head or, or a list of players that you've kept been, you know, keeping track of whether it's through, recruiting agencies or tournaments or whatever it is. And so I, I definitely reached out to a lot of kids that, um, you know, I know um, whether it was coaching in Cleveland area or, or Northwest Indiana or Dayton and, and tried to connect with them. Um, but, I, but I do feel pretty good about the recruiting class that I've been able to bring in so far. Um, you know, one of the big differences is Wright State and Valparaiso. You know, I was so used to connecting with some of these recruiting companies and agencies overseas, international ones. And, um, Muskegon, we just don't offer a great academic package, um, for international students. So, um, I'm actually trying to work with our student exchange program at, at a few schools in Germany to see if there's maybe a couple of German kids that want to come over and, and play for a year. So, um, you know, you're, you're just trying to find, um, different avenues and different ways to, to get kids to the university. So. Oh, that's awesome. And then for you, what's it, um, did you get a spring season with, the guys yeah yeah so i got in and um you know we did some you know there's some fitness stuff set up for him and then we started our five week period um which again was a little bit different for me as well you know you're you're used to the division one model of just the hours um and so like the first day i got there i was like all right you know we're going to train tomorrow morning and, and then it's like oh wait we can't do that unless we want to start our five week period so um, so it was, you know, like I really wanted to get like coaching with him, but wanted to be smart about when we used our, our 15 practices and, 
you know, and, and finish with an exhibition game and stuff like that. So we, we did our five week period right after spring break, spring break, and then finished, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. So when you, uh, when you got to Muskegon, um, was there any talking with the players about what they were expecting out of you or what was it you kind of had in your mind? Like, here's the plan I'm going to go with. Here's where I want to try to get these guys. Yeah. So I definitely had the ideas, um, in place of like how I wanted the team to look, um, not only on the field, but you know, how I want the students to represent themselves on campus, um, in the community. Um, and so you have those ideas and, and the first day we had a meeting, I mean, and I just sort of laid it out there and said, Hey, these are the expectations. You know, this is what I'm going to evaluate you on, um, during the course of the spring season. And, you know, and as you know, with coaching changes, there were some kids that, um, you know, came up and said, Hey, this isn't for me. Um, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's probably better that, that they make that decision rather than me. And, um, you know, and, and it's one of those, the, the group that has stuck with it and through the spring season has been working their butts off and, you know, you know, and I'm really happy that they have stuck around cause it's really a good group of guys and, um, just mentality wise that, um, they want to help the program improve and, and they've been helping out not only on the field, but, you know, if they can, to, you know, help with the recruit on campus, whatever it is, they're, they're up for the challenge. So how does, how does one in your position, we, we hear all the time now in, in soccer about a player development and, and how do you, you know, coming into a new program really get with your guys, especially, you know, we, as we all know, it's on limited time that, uh, that you guys, that everybody can work with their, their players. Um, how is it that you can, or what is it that you implemented to really try to work on that development to get them to match that that type of play that you're wanting for next fall? Well, that's actually been very difficult just because of the numbers of players that left um, or injuries that happened through the spring. I, you know, I had 13 field players and, and three goalkeepers. So in terms of getting like big grand scheme, like tactical ideas, um, the, that was a bit difficult, but getting concepts in, you know, about like pressing or repressing the game and, you know, um, you know, some of the fitness stuff, we would just run in like, uh, um, you know, in our formation of 11 and, and sort of move to different cones on the field and pressure, cover and balance and, and try to get those ideas into them. Um, I think attacking wise is, a you know, you, you can do some shadow play stuff and, and all that kind of, but without pressure for a larger game, it can be a little bit difficult with, with the numbers that we had. So some of the concepts we got into them, but you know, in the fall, it'll probably be a lot more of some of those tactical ideas and, and the identity that I want the team to play. Cause you know, and, and I explained it to them, like I want them to understand their, their role, um, like their individual positional role for the team, you know, and just how that position will connect into the positional group. You know, if it's the right back, how do they connect in with the back line? And then, you know, how does that apply to their attacking and defending shape for the whole team and, and where they support and cover and, and give balance and, you know, both in, in attack and defending. So, um, you know, hopefully they can get those ideas when we get to it in the fall. But, you know, that'll be determined uh, in the fall. So we'll see. What do you like about this group that you've got now? Um, to be honest with you, there's there's quite a bit of talent on there that I really wasn't expecting. Um, watching some of the video, like when I first got the position, um, I, I thought we were really going to have to find a, 
like a, a lot of pieces and, and I feel very confident with um, some of the, you know, some of the guys and, and especially in certain spots of the field, right up the spine of the field that have some talent, that have some skill um, and are hardworking guys, um, you know, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I mean, we, we may have some talent in, in the fall, but to be honest with you, I mean, our conference, the OAC is filled with good players and good teams and you know we're going to have to grind out some results and I think that's probably going to be the hardest part about the fall is just getting the mentality of the players to make sure they understand like you know the game isn't easy we're going to have to grind results out you know might have to get a couple ugly wins you know even though we're, we're trying to play a, a good style but um, you know and if we get down you can't give up you gotta you gotta keep going at it and um, see if we can get a result out of it. What are some things this summer that you're looking to maybe, I don't know if you're attending some type of some clinic or what are some things that you plan on doing for you uh, in your development this summer? That's going to really uh, up your game for next fall with these players. Well, one of the things that I've done already is um, just with my relationship with the staff at Akron. um, I I actually was just at at the university of Akron, just watching one of their training sessions and, you know, and then Jared and I are going to sit down here and, and just sort of talk. And, and I'm going to try to do the same thing with a few coaches in the area. And, you know, Coach Mazinoff possibly at, at Ohio State, um, you know, maybe if he's listening, I'll, I'll connect with him. But he, it's a local school. You know, we're about an hour away. And I know some of the guys that, there at Ohio State. But, you know, between them and, and, and Jared and then, you know, I'll probably go down and work IU camp and, and talk to those guys there. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is, is, sort of how do they structure the the whole year and the periodization of um, not only just the fall season, but, um, you know, from fall, you know, because I believe the season really starts in January. You know, you're starting your season in January and how do you structure it for the kids even when they're away over summer and then, you know, you know, coming, uh, you know, and really coming up on your strongest period at the end of the fall season. What uh, what for for someone who does reach out to the coaches and, and goes and sees the sessions things on and and you know watches them and, and then you get to talk with the coaches afterwards. What are the questions that you're asking these coaches uh, when you're watching the sessions? I mean, a lot of times when I'm watching the sessions, it, it isn't so much. Um, you know, a lot of times when you go watch these coaching or sessions, not coaching sessions, when you watch some of the practice sessions, whether it's Akron, whether it's Indiana, I mean, it's all stuff that you've probably seen before. Um, You know, you're not really reinventing the wheel, but you're just trying to take away different ideas or or maybe different ways they have it set up. Um, But, you know, I I guess a lot of the questions, you know, that I had for Jared and, and, you know, some of these other guys is is more or less like how they built their program and and really um, more, more or less some of the things that are off the field than on the field. Um, and really trying to take some of that stuff away as, you know, and, and again, you're going to take away some tactics from, from any game and any coach, you know, whether you're watching it at a practice session or watching an MLS game or, you know, Bundesliga or premier league game, I think you can sit and watch and take away something from any game you're watching. So, um, but yeah, a lot of the questions I have are are probably more for, for off the field and, and building the culture of the team, building the identity of the team and, you know, sort of the structure of, of how you want sort of things lined up, um, you know, for fall season and then and spring season. So what is uh, was there something that you did this year with your team that you picked up from those early days at Indiana and with 
uh, with the cutters and, and going into to Valpo. Um, what's something that you're still using today as a coach that you picked up from when you first started? Uh, one of the activities that I love doing is just like a transition activity. I mean, I, I, and I think the players always enjoyed it too, whether you're like a youth player, like at a U 12, you know, doing, I, I always love doing like a three V two to two V one or four V three to three V two type transition activities. Um, you know, and, and one, I think transition moments in games are important, especially at our level. I mean, if you can take advantage of transition moments, whether it's defending or attacking, I think you're going to be pretty successful and, and sort of knowing the movements of when those uh, points happen in a game. And, um, you know, so I, and I remember doing that one early on. I, I can't remember if it was my Bloomington days or maybe up in with Cleveland United days, but um, doing it with one of the coaches at a youth session. And, and I was like, yeah, like the players love that one. Like I love that one. Like I was energetic, like the kids are flying around, they're scoring goals and, you know, goalies are engaged. And, and so, you know, I always like doing, doing activities like that. For sure. And with the, um, the, the opportunity that you have in, in front of you, you know, what is the, the vision you're, you're hoping that, you know, when we, when we catch back up with you uh, on, on the road next, next winter and spring, what are some of the things that you're hoping has taken place uh, with the fall? With the fall season, I mean, I, I want the team to be competitive in our conference. Um, I, obviously, yes, a, a good record would be nice, but um, I, I know where the team has been and I know where some of the upperclassmen have, have been in terms of our conference, you know, they haven't won a conference game in two years. And so I really want them to be competitive where, you know, they're, they're in every game, you know, we're, we're having some success, whether, you know, especially at home for the guys um, and, and just really making sure that the identity of how I want them to play and it is there. And that if you would come watch the game, it's like, Oh, wow. Like, they have that team knows what they're doing. They may not have gotten the result today, but they definitely know what they're doing uh, on the day. For sure. Um, with you know the, the transition, and you mentioned that the, the family uh, just just are, is starting to make their way there. Um, how is that? Uh, and, and Nick will get on me because this is the the dad talk again. That time away from them, you know, being at the new job, they're still back at the old place. You know, how how do you? Uh, how do you recover from that other than like just being around them all the time once they get there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest part is just trying to be around them all the time. And, and that's a good part about, you know, Muskegon is they have been on campus quite a bit. My son's actually going to go to the, the preschool here on campus. So that's oh, great. cool. I can just like go have lunch with him if I want to. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's definitely like one of the more stressful parts about like taking these new jobs is, you know, usually in, in college soccer, it's not like, you take a job and the athletic director says, Oh, Hey, you can be here in six months. Like, you know, once everything's settled with your family, like now nah, you're usually there like within a week, two weeks, whatever it is. And so, yeah. um, it's definitely tough being away from, from your wife and your kids. And, you know, and I would try to make it back as much as I could. I mean, there was a few times where I would leave, like, you know, go to practice Tuesday morning and leave like right afterwards, just so I could see the boys for the day and, and leave early like Wednesday morning. So I could, you know, be at practice the next day. Um, but you know, I think going into it, you, you know, uh, that that's going to be part of it and, and you do the best you can to be a good dad and, and be there to support your wife and your kids. And, um, and obviously when, you know, and 
you know, when it comes down to it, like that's who you're going to support, you know, uh, any day of the week. And so, um, you know, and, and luckily my wife was able to get a, a good job out here and, um, you know, we were fi- able to find a place to live. And so we definitely feel a lot more comfortable with where we're at now and um, For don't sure. really have too many boxes to unload anymore. So that's always good. And this is why Nick's theory is just marry someone who's already a head coach. So that way there's no transition. They can just all go together at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. I'm still working <laughs> on trying to find my job over at Muskegon. So that way we can just have her here. We'll have our kids in the preschool and we'll just sort of yes. run around campus together. You, get, you keep that up. They're going to name a building after you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that yet. <laughs> what, uh, what are some of the, uh, the, the coaching mentors that you have people that you, you call upon or you may shoot a text or an email to every now and then uh, when you have a question? Uh, I, I mean, Mike Avery for one, I mean, is just a, um, a really good guy to be around. Um, and, and he's probably the one guy as a mentor, I know you can, I can call, um, and, and just sort of shoot the shit with him if I want to, um, ask, asking, you know, cause it, it was good to ask him questions and probably be on his staff when I had my son Royal and, and be involved in college soccer. And, you know, he's been through it with his two sons and his wife is the volleyball coach at Valpo. So, you know, they're busy all the time. Um, and it's funny because after Brian Davis, you know, left Wright State, him and I have talked quite a bit, um, you know, and, and, you know, he called me when I took the job here. So, you know, we've talked. Um, but again, Jared Embeck at, at Akron is obviously a great resource to have. And, um, you know, Coach Yeagley at Indiana, I, you know, whenever I go out there and work camps, I, I try to make sure I pick his brain as much as I can. And, um, you know, and, and so there's always guys like that. But to be honest with you, I mean, there's, you know, as you know, you, you go to these camps or whether it's exact camps or IU camps or whatever it is, and, and you get to know a lot of guys through those. And so you're, you know, sometimes it's just reaching out to some of the guys that you've worked camps with about like, hey, have you heard of this school or, or do I can I get a scout from you or whatever it is. And so um, and th- I think that's a great thing about the college or not college, but the soccer world here in the States. I mean, there's there's not too many guys that are going to big time you. That That's for sure. Just, uh, just, just the bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> once, once, once you weed through the bad ones, you'll figure out that there are 90 more of us good ones out there yeah, exactly. uh, than, than exactly. all that. Um, you, you mentioned too about, you know, being so close to, to Ohio state and, you know, and, and knowing, uh, coach Mazenoff as, as well. Do you feel like, I, I think we've asked before of, of coach, at various levels uh, underneath D1 who there is a, you know, there's a D1 school that's near them. How much does, does them or does them listen to that? English yeah, right. My wife would kill me. Um, how much does what Ohio state does affect Muskegon or affect the other schools around it? Cause I think like most people don't think of when they, these smaller schools, when they're near these big schools, how, what that school does can affect their school. And, and, and even so much like the players that aren't going there, uh, you know, that, that you guys can, you guys can possibly get how that well, affects yeah, you as I, well. I think you want to try, you know, they're definitely not like a rival or anything, obviously. I mean, they're a completely different level, you know, they're Ohio state division. Until one. you play them in the spring and you beat them. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, we're, we're going to get that match set up next year. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> I'll ha- I'll have them come to us. I'm sure they would do that. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, it's one of those things. I think you want to use 
the Ohio States and the Akron's or, or the Pittsburgh's are probably the three big schools like right around us and, and use them to your advantage as much as you can, whether it's learning from the coaches, whether it's working their camps and, and creating connections with kids in those areas. Um, you know, cause not every kid is going to be good enough to play at Ohio state or at Akron or at Pittsburgh. And, you know, and then there's the trickle, trickle down effect. You know, they, they find out that they can't play at Ohio state or they can't even play at maybe Urbana, um, you know, and, and want to find a division three school. Cause they're like, you know, I, I was hoping to play at Akron and it didn't work out. And I'm like, well, Hey, guess what? Muskegon is here for you. And, uh, you know, and, and so, you, you know, you get an opportunity to watch a lot of these kids at their camps or, you know, create a good relationship with their assistants or, or them. And they're like, Hey, listen, this kid's not for us. You know, maybe you can help out with your program. So, you know, I think having some of these big schools uh, within an hour, hour and a half of us, I think is actually a, a huge advantage. For sure. And I, I think too, most of those schools would are more than like open arms about the smaller schools you know, reaching out and, and trying to create the pipeline of, you know, just the coaching networking and, and the, the talk of players of, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so is trying to come here. That's just, you know, it's not going to be a good fit for us, but hey, they like this area, you know, here, you, you, right, you can go right. over there. Um, so I definitely, that's something I, I always tell coaches who are at small schools, like, hey, if there's a big school near you, just create that network, get that connection, oh, yeah. and, and that because that pipeline can help you at some point. Well, and, and you never know what's going to happen down the road. I mean, you know, as you know in the coaching world, you know, you can apply for all the jobs you want, but a lot of times it's it's who you know. Well, not yeah. even in the soccer world. I mean, that's just you know networking in general. And so, you know, I think it's always good to create re- relationships with with people, um, big schools, small schools, and you just never know who may know somebody that can help you out in the future. That's for sure. That's for sure. Like one day, I believe that we're all going to work for Nick because Nick is going to go on to do some amazing things, whether he believes so or not. (laughs) I'm not too sure about that, but our podcast is going to do amazing things. (laughs) I think it's already doing amazing things. Well, that's, that's what people say. We're, we're, we're not too sure on that, but, uh, you know, it, it's, because we're I, running the show at the convention. What are you talking about, man? Yeah. You know, we hashtag humble, humble brag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just think like, um, it, it's so cool to, for me at least, uh, and I, I'm sure Nick can vouch, uh, on the shows where we have like people that he's connected with, but for me, like I, I, the joy that I get when I see uh, my coaching friends, you know, go and get and get new jobs. And like, I, I, I'm not like, it's definitely not like a dad feel, or maybe it is a dad feel. I don't, but I just get like so pumped when I see my friends succeeding. And I feel that that's a thing that I, that we're trying to build in soccer chat. It's just this like overjoy of just like being happy for other coaches when, when they're going and doing things. And when I saw that you got the Muskegon job, I just remember being like, Hell yeah! And I think I don't know if I texted you or I, I saw you somewhere. Texted me actually. That might have. Yeah, been yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I texted and was like, "Dude, like hell yeah! Like I'm so happy for you." Um, and it goes back into and I. This is I don't even know why I just thought about this, but my wife was talking uh, to me this weekend, and we were talking about like all my different friends that are getting these coaching jobs, and uh, I've got a couple of friends who have been texting me like, "Hey, do you know anybody who would be good for my assistant job?" And my wife's like, why don't you ever say, yeah, me? I'm like, because I'm the soccer, I am the soccer coaching's version of once a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> and like, and I'm, I'm okay with that because I'm so happy and living vicariously through my, my friends. But I definitely wanted to 
like congratulate you over the air. Like I'm just like I'm so hey, thrilled yeah. and happy for you, man. I appreciate it. I mean, again, it's a it's a great gig. I love the school. Um, good program. I'm glad my family is happy here. So I'm I'm to be I I'm like pissed that the spring is already finished because I'm like ready to go like <laughs> for the right now. I mean, if I could go to the field right now and and train with him, I would. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's definitely for sure. I feel like you and Nick kind of on the same thing. Nick's always like, man, like, I feel like we just started spring and it's already over. Oh my yeah. God. Right. No, it's absolutely nuts. But yeah, what, like one of the things that we've been like to ask recently is like, what are some things about the game that you're passionate about right now? What are the things about the game that I'm really passionate about in terms of like the tactics of the game? Manchester or, United. That's going Manchester on United. That's what he's passionate it's not about. Manchester United. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm more of an MLS guy. Like, I mean, I definitely follow the Premier League and Bundesliga, but growing up around Chicago, I know the fire is struggling, but I'd, I'd probably a bigger fire supporter than anyone else. Ooh, Nick, shots fired. <laughs> no, I, I can, I can, I mean, he, he might be. But Ooh, we, we did have, have, John, we need we to have, have a... John Bush on the show earlier, and he got me a Chris Rolf autograph. So, oh man, lucky guy! I, I think we need to do a special show one time. Next time we do one at convention, we're gonna add him there, and we're gonna have a fire off between you guys, Dude. hosted by hosted by John Bush. I would, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I'd be up for that. <laughs> <laughs> any any old fire guys who will be in attendance have to come by and and, and watch the fire off. Well, to, so to get back, Nick, to your to your original question, though, of like what I uh, I guess I'm sort of passionate about about the game right now is, um, you know, when I, I obviously, you, you know, a lot of teams watch Liverpool or a lot of people watch Liverpool these days. Nick definitely watches Liverpool. And the way they press the game and the way they defend um, is fantastic. And, and I and it's funny to me because and I know San Jose is like way down the line, the earthquakes, but. You got their coach, uh, Matias Almeida, I think it is. Um, you know, he's coached in, in La Liga, or not La Liga, in Liga MX with Chivas, I believe. And, and his style of play is so different than a lot of other teams. And, you know, it reminds me of the, like, Sampioli, like, Bielsa days of, of Chile um, when they were winning the Copa Americas. And, and I like that pressing, you know, just flying around the field, just making it difficult for teams to play. Um, is very interesting to me. I mean, obviously Liverpool is is in different in the way that like San Jose is different in, in the way that, you know, Chile did it. But I think you can take bits and pieces of it and sort of apply it to your team, whether it's almost like a man marking scheme and on certain, you know, where the where the ball is set up or playing out on goal kicks and and what are the cues to go press, um, you know, and then how do you recover if you get beat? And so I, I, I'm I don't know why, but like I, I'm always like watching games like that right now and trying to pick up sort of what what those cues are and where they go and where they press and and how they do it and you know and how they even set the press and stuff like that. So I really I'm really enjoying that right now. I don't know I don't know why. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I mean, and I think it's a lot. Of, I mean, it's a really appealing style of soccer to watch. It is. It is. And it's just you know, and when you watch like San Jose recently, it's it's funny because they like. They, they'll man mark sort of all over the field and make it like a very hectic game. But, you know, they do it at like certain points of the field, which is interesting to me. And it's sometimes a bit deeper instead of like higher up the field. Um, and so it's uh, it's just different in, in the way that, you know, and again, like it's a change in, in MLS and the, the evolution of different coaching styles that have come into the league now. And, and I think it's good to have uh, a different sort of philosophy and idea of, 
you know, to sort of challenge and, and how do you now adapt to that? So is part of watching MLS. Um, Cause when you mentioned that, it made me think of um, uh, Mike Jacobs, when we were at the university of Evansville, so always told um, players at camp, you know, you need to be watching MLS because that's the, you know, that's where you're trying to get to. That's the level of play you need to strive for because it's your, your domestic place to play. If, if you're a high school player, you need to be watching college games because that's where you're trying to get to. If you're a college player and you're trying to get to pros, you know, you'd be watching MLS. Right. Is part of watching MLS for you watching, hey, like I'm developing these college players who, you know, if they are to go to that level that or to the next level, that could be the route that they go, um, you know, or maybe you – my wife actually this weekend, she was like, you have watched a crap ton of the USL yeah, right. these last couple weeks. And I'm like, I don't know what – like I'm watching more. I've watched more USL games already than I've watched Premier League all year long. Well, and, and I think part of that is is the platforms that are carrying these games. You know, you got USL, which is on the ESPN Plus, you, you know. I mean, I, I remember way back when the Chicago Fire started back in like 98, I probably – you know, like, re- like actually VHS, like recorded their games. If I had a game, so yeah. I watch it. Cause it was like the only time they were on in a month. Whereas now, you know, you can watch any MLS game on the weekend and, you know, or any, you know, you can wake up, watch your premier league game at eight, watch your Bundesliga game at nine 30 and then premier league at 10. And then the MLS games are usually like one, three or four and six or something. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can watch them all day. I mean, I, I guess with MLS though, I, you know, growing up around Chicago, I, I supported them. They came into the league, won the league like their first year and, and you know, sort of hooked me into it. Um, but I, you know, I've always thought as an American kid, um, you know, why would I support any other country? You know, yeah. why would I support any other league? Like if I'm going to buy season tickets, I'm going to buy season tickets to Chicago because, you know, I want the league to be successful. I want, you know, Chicago to be successful you know, and it's the same thing. Like I want the national team to do well. And, and, you know, obviously it sucked that they missed the world cup, but it's not like I was cheering for anybody else at the last world cup. Like yeah. I'm still a, a U.S. fan and, you know, and will be, cause you know, I just feel like as an American kid that grew up playing soccer and it's what the game has given me a ton. And, and so I want to do what I can to sort of help give back to, to the game and build it in, in the States. That's for sure. Well, we've, we've enjoyed talking with you. We don't want to take too much of your time. Um, you know, Soccer Chat is all about getting coaches networked and networked, networked, getting coaches connected and, and building their, <laughs> their network. I, it's definitely a Monday. Um, getting coaches connected and, and building up their network. If somebody's listening to this and they're just they're intrigued, they want to ask you questions about how you do things or, or maybe they want to ask you about tourism management yeah. uh, programs. <laughs> but, you know, somebody's out there who's, who wants to connect with you and maybe pick your brain uh, the way you pick uh, these other coaches' brains. How can they do so, whether it be email or, or Twitter? How can they connect with you? I mean, you know, the best way to connect with me is probably my email, which is just aponder at muskegon.edu. Um, I, I do uh, have the, the Muskegon men's soccer Twitter uh, handle going right now. And so that's always beeping on, on my phone if I need something. But um, my email is probably the best way to do it if, if they're local. Um, I'd be more than happy to sit down and grab a coffee with them or um, have them out to training or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I, you know, again, there's been plenty of people that have helped me along the way. And so, you know, if I can do something to help um, you know, a youth coach, a college coach, you know, whoever it is, I'd be more than happy to to talk to him on the phone or email with him or have him come out to training and, and try to help him out in whatever way I can. 
my goal is by the end of next season to have you with your own Twitter account, Coach AP, the number four you. <laughs> there you go. There and you can go. just like you can just put your little you can put your little development stuff out there to help other coaches because it's it's AP for you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm to- we're totally in on this for sure. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much, Adam. We want to wish you and your guys the best of luck upcoming fall. No, I really appreciate it. It's great to be on and, and look forward to I'll follow up with you after the fall and we can have on and see if I've uh, done anything with the program. For yeah. sure. We, you can but, tell us if you sucked or not. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> let's, let's hope not. Let's hope not. It's not why they brought me there. <laughs> <laughs> can't quite direct him as Dr. Ponder, but I mean, I, I think Adam deserves some respect in his name. He, he was a, he was a very fun guest. And I think, I think for, for us, it was a cool get just because he's been at coaching at all different levels, all different locations, and just really a ton of experience, which is, is a, is really fun to listen to. Yeah. And, and you also enjoy those unorthodox stories to get to where people are at and to go from playing in college to going back home to go to school, running into Caleb Porter, wanting to, to coach and, uh, you know, young Caleb Porter gets you connected with a club team and you kind of get started from there and then build your way up to working at Akron in the, uh, physical education area and, or, uh, in the PE complex and, and then deciding, Hey, like I want to do this coaching thing full time. Like what a a good way of the whole uh, started from the bottom, you know, went from playing to not playing, working with one of the best staffs in the country at the time, uh, and and now making your way to being a head coach at a at a really good uh, historically uh, school as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I think for for me with him, like a, another person that we just got to meet this first time, but it was it was a ton of fun to talk with him and just kind of get his perspective on everything it's he he seems like a person that we could have a a, a much more in-depth conversation about tactics and program and oh yeah just everything he, he had a lot of knowledge and I, I i don't feel we got all of it out in that hour that we were able to get with him he's a he's a guy that at camp i always hate if we are coaching against each other because i you mentioned about like you know what he is tactically in, in, in his mind he is so smart that there's just no way to beat him at camp and yeah. it doesn't matter what team you have that you got uh selected to like ponders teams are going to beat you every time like it just does not matter now yeah. if i'm saying that and he goes on some like big losing streak this summer i'm i'm really not going to be upset no, I mean, like, we're not knocking on wood for that one. That's that's for sure. But Adam's a good dude. I, I I enjoy – he's one of those guys that when I see the camp coach's roster and I see his picture, I instantly am excited like because I know, like, hey, this is going to be fun. Um, and he's a good dude to talk to and uh, get get to clown with him a little bit once you break him out of the show. But I, I think we did a good job of uh, – get him to to open up on the show, but he's, he's just a fantastic person. I, I don't think this is the, uh, the end for him. I think his name is one that we're going to keep hearing on and on and on. And 
Um, I do see him moving on to some big things after the success that he's going to have. The guy hasn't even coached a, a full, <laughs> hasn't even coached a fall game yet. And we're like, Hey, he's going to be doing big things, but he is, he's got that mindset. He's been at some big schools, been some big programs. And um, you know, when you've coached with Stu Riddle, even for, you know, maybe a, a season or two, uh, you've picked up some things that are going to help you out along the way. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're, we're calling it. We're calling our shot right now. Um, Ponder's going to win it all. You're calling it? No, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, I would like to. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx him though. I, I someone told me like, cause I, I posted in our soccer chat group today. It was a uh, Connor McKee because I go football doesn't make any sense right now. Liverpool's winning the league Sunday. Man City's losing three 0 and he's just like, don't jinx it. And I was like, football is jinx right now. Like, it's not like I'm not changing anything. Like, Everything that's supposed to happen is not happening. No, the the sport is just out of its mind right now. Yeah, I you know, shout out to Connor McKee. Still haven't gotten that care package from yet, by the way. It's coming. It's the same thing. So I, by the way, I was getting I was getting texts from Marissa last week saying how, how we were calling her out on the show. Hey, we got we got evidence. We have evidence. I I, I, I listened to that. I listened to her episode a while back. And she's like, oh, you got to come to camp. And I was like, all right, hey, cool. Send it to me. I'll, I'll come up. Still waiting. I mean, like, I'm just trying to be the middleman, not trying to be in. Like, I, I don't want to get. How, how bad does she hate me? Uh, she does not hate you at all. Oh, okay. No, Marissa doesn't hate. Marissa's all love. But I was getting okay. anger texts because we were, we were, we were not giving her, <laughs> we were not giving her any love last week. Well, Marissa, you can make it up by coming on the show and formally inviting me. How about that? Yeah, no, I mean, like, we'll we'll make that happen. <laughs> that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Um, soccer chat this week was awesome. You can join the conversation every single Wednesday night at nine thirty p.m. Eastern time. Nick and I hop on there from time to time. Actually, we're always on there, but we just don't always answer because we know that we're not very smart. We want to hear what you guys say. Uh, any questions that popped out to you this week? Um, I mean, obviously, I was more tied to the Champions League ones in the beginning. What were, what were the other ones this week? I'm trying to remember. Uh, there was the one about uh, how to kind of revamp your resume. Um, there was one about uh, the back four. Like, what do you uh, prefer? Uh, Carol Vogel uh, said, I prefer a back four back system, two center backs, two fullbacks, but the three back system three center backs, two wing backs is growing in popularity. Those are those who are huge supporters of the three back system. What are its major benefits and pros? What say you? Um, I think there's a lot that the three back system does. I think the people that love the four back system love the ability to switch the ball through center backs, which, and you also have two people in coverage all the time. I like the three back system because you have one person that's judging your offside line and also one person that's kind of in charge of the rest of the back line. So I, I, I would say if I was doing a three-back system, I would say that those are probably the main benefits of it. You have one person that's more in charge in like both with the line you're holding and also with the um, just like just the organization and everything that goes with it. And the uh, soccer IQ question of the week. This is a really good one. And this is, I definitely, I'm glad I'm going to ask you this. After what we've witnessed over the past two days, 
why do we think teams are crumbling on the biggest stage when seemingly very favorable positions to prog- to progress into the greatest final of world football complacency arousal what what arousal okay um nervousness fatigue what factors do we think have the biggest impact in these circumstances i mean i think the two games that we witnessed occurred for two different reasons i think that um I think the Liverpool one was a little bit different because the squad that they out had out there, plus the environment with Anfield and the fans and everything, I think, I think that can naturally cause certain teams to be a little bit more tight with their touches in terms of like every touch you make seems more criticized, more like it just, I think it was difficult for the Barcelona players after, especially because Liverpool scored a goal in the first seven minutes. It was like, well, Jesus, now they only need two more and there's 83 minutes to go. What What's going to happen? I think that that one's a little bit different. To be honest, I don't – like the Ajax – the Barcelona blow-up doesn't make sense, but it makes more sense to me than the Ajax one just because Tottenham hasn't been playing well at all over the last two and a half months. I mean, they're struggling in the Prem against relegated teams, but somehow they – came out in the second half and scored three goals uh, against an Ajax team that looked over the first 45 minutes, the first 135 minutes of the tie to be a Champions League final team. And so that one doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it just, it, it seemed like in Ajax, I think made some poor decisions down the stretch in terms of their time management and stuff, but they also had a post in the 80th minute. So like it's, I mean, soccer is a weird sport sometimes. So I don't know. I think, I, I wish I had a good answer to that. I think that from what I've seen over the last two, it just it's a ball sport and sometimes the ball rolls your way and sometimes it doesn't. And whenever you're playing 180 minutes of soccer, you you leave a lot open for something to happen. Yeah. And also, uh as we were just talking about that, and I and now I can't figure it out. Oh, um, before we get out of here, the people want to know, have you been working on your soccer chat team? Uh, a little bit. I am willing to on Friday, mainly because I have the day off. I'm willing to give a teaser of my team to you via Twitter. So that means I have to have one too. You know, you don't I, No, no, you don't. I'm just saying you've got to have your lineup ready to announce your draft on the hundredth episode. I'm ready for that. That gives me like a month. I'm okay with that. So on Friday, be watching my Twitter account and we'll give you those details here in a bit. I will give the teaser to my soccer chat women's team that I'm going to, I'm going to coach. I will give you a teaser and I can't wait to see the reactions from Nick. (laughs) I'm anxiously waiting that for sure. Because I discovered this week that one of the people who I had in the lineup or in the, in the squad is not the position that I thought they were. And I'm in some trouble. Well, I'm sorry about that. I know at least your team's like crystal clear. Who's going to play where? Yeah. They're just out of shape. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) No. Yeah. That's the issue. If you want to know more about the soccer chat 11 and to see, um, 
what Nick and I are going to do with his soccer chat men's. We can't call it the national team. What, what could it be? The soccer chat men's global team. Yeah. The, the soccer chat men's global team. Uh, how can they get a, a hold of you and plead their case for Patrick McGinnis and Nathan Kogut to make your squad? The best place to read me is at coach and Rizzo. What about you? And mine is at coach Soderling. So on Friday, on Friday, I will release a teaser for my soccer chat women's global team and allow Nick to send me lots of gifts of just people who are massively upset and banging their head through wood or a desk or a door or something like that. Uh, you can join the conversation. Like we said, every single Wednesday night using the hashtag soccer chat, uh, join the conversation, talk to us, talk to other coaches. Uh, you can get a hold of us anytime. The, the chat, even though it's on Wednesday nights, you can answer on Thursday mornings. You can answer on Friday afternoons, on the weekends, whatever it may be. Just participate because we want to hear from you, just like our mate, Coach Pete, all the way in Australia, uh, which we just figured out uh, earlier today that 3% of the podcast listens is coming from Australia. So thank to, thanks to Coach Pete and all the people he's uh, he's got supporting us down there. Got to give a big shout out to all of our friends here at Soccer Chat. Obviously, social media for the high school athletes because of them, you get to listen to the show for free every single week. Even go back in the archives, check out episode one and work your way all the way to this one, 94, and get yourself listen. Who can listen to all of them before the 100th episode here coming up next month? Also, we are members of Dutic Brand FC. Get yourself a great discount when you visit dutickbrand.com. Use the promo code SOCCERCHAT and get a nice little Sean and Nick discount. Uh, on all your purchases of great, amazing items, much like Nick's murdered out Dutic brand t-shirt that he wears every single day. You can get all that on dutickbrand.com. Dutickbrand.com, that's dutickbrand.com. And Nick, in five words, explain your love for your Dutic brand murdered out all black t-shirt. I wear it too much. Perfect. Also, we are members of Team Torx. You want the greatest ball pump? Of all time, you got to go to Torx, T-O-R-R-X. Check them out on Twitter, at Torx Soccer, and let them know that we sent you. You will not be disappointed. It's the greatest ball pump. It's so great. Nick and I do not even have one, but we've seen one. We've played with one. And we are telling you, this is the greatest thing of all time. The greatest ball pump, whether you're a soccer coach or any other other sport coach, you need this pump in your life. It's absolutely phenomenal. If you love it, go on Amazon, leave them a nice five-star rating, and review do the same for us when you're on itunes give us a nice little five-star rating and review and when you do that make sure to leave your twitter name or some type of name on there so that way nick and i can give you a shout out we appreciate you for doing that for us uh it also helps us with the algorithm and, and things along those lines um we got uh, just got one recently uh from djc11 says enjoyable conversations with a wide array of guests, including some really impressive soccer coaches in a format that feels laid back and enjoyable to listen to. Well, thank you, DJC11, for that. We greatly, greatly appreciate you. Um, man, what a week it's been. This is episode 94. That means 90, we're, we are six episodes away from 100. And also, our Women's World Cup preview, which is going to be really, really, really really good and we're excited for it but the preview's not going to be anything if jamaica does not announce dr laura jackson on the team you hear that jamaica i know y'all listening if you don't put her on the team guess what your world cup preview is going to sound like 
that's exactly what it's going to sound like. The best part about Soccer Chat is how we get to do it all over again next week. He's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. See you later, brother. So if there's any one of those that you want to go over. I mean, we could just talk about Liverpool the entire time. That's, well, I mean, (laughs) honestly, that's what I was expecting to happen. So. That's fair.